Today's podcast is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you're going to get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And also, if you... Uh, do go and sign up then you know make sure you tell them you heard about it through us in the uh application thanks Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. Come in. And now back to the show. <laughs> oh, okay. Part two of the Artemis Ogletree mystery, where Sabrina is really confused at this point and sad to say she would probably be equally as confused when we get to the end of the story. <laughs> I'm so just, sorry. That's <laughs> what I needed. Just what I needed. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> uh, okay, let me... If you happen to miss the other episode, although I don't know why you would listen to a part two, but <laughs> Artemis Ogletree, Artemis Ogletree checked into a hotel as Roland T. Owen, and then he had stab wounds and he was strangled and he died. And people don't know at that point who he was or who killed him or who could have possibly killed him because he was locked in the hotel room with a do not disturb sign. So that gets you sort of caught up with the basics of it. It's a lot more convoluted than that. Just ask Sabrina. Yeah, a whole bunch of people saw some stuff and did some things and thought they saw him or maybe not. And Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like an episode of Lost. <laughs> it soon became apparent that Ronald T. Owen was in all likelihood an alias. Duh. Officers in Kansas City contacted the L.A. Police Department notify next of kin, but were informed they could not find any record under that name that was living in the California city at that time. The inmates' fingerprints were sent to what at the time was the Justice Department's Bureau of Investigation, later the FBI, to find a possible match in their collection. A woman called the hotel president that night to ask what Roland T. Owen looked like. She told the desk that he lived in Clinton, 50 miles southeast of Kansas City. On January 6th, the Sunday newspapers reported that the man in room 1046 had died under an assumed name and tips started coming in. Members of the public went to the local funeral home where he'd been laid out, leading to Lane to tell police of his encounter that, of that man with that man. After interviewing Lane, Johnson was certain, was not as certain as Lane was that that man had been Ogletree since none of the hotel staff reported him leaving. So, police were able to establish one sighting of Ogletree out of the 
Hotel, a report that he had been seen with two women at several liquor places. Man, now I'm like, did these two women just fucking rob his ass? Like, maybe that's where all his clothes and shit went. I don't know. I mean, they never saw him, like, unpack anything. And if all the dude was carried was, like, a toothbrush and a hairbrush and some toothpaste or whatever it was, like, did he really have money on him? Like, really? You never, you never, you could have money anywhere. Literally anywhere, though. In your sock. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It just seems weird. Um, And then the only prints that they found were assumed to be a woman, too. So it's like, mm. But then again, I'm like, how often do they really clean their phone? Uh, You know, back in those days, they weren't as worried about germs. Well, and this was also the 30s. And, you know, he said nobody did it to him. But what if it was like sexy S&M stuff gone wrong that he paid for with prostitutes, you know? And he was too embarrassed. Yeah, maybe he didn't want anybody to find out. But he was seen with two women at several liquor places on 12th Street. And liquor places is in quotations, so I'm like, is this not a reputable place? I don't, <laughs> like, I don't understand. Wire services began picking up the story, and it ran in newspapers and on radio around the country. Um, with requests to send photographs to Kansas City. More leads on the man's identity came in as a result, and the KCPD had to devote considerable time to corresponding with police all over the country via mail and telegram to follow up on leads, because this was the oldie times. There's no fax or email or, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> they literally had to telegram stuff to each other, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, um, eventually, they were able to eliminate many. But in Kansas City, an early lead proved false when a bloodied towel found at the hotel turned out to have been used to clean up room 1046 after the police had left. Officers called props to count that on his way there after he checked in, the man said that he had left the nearby Muehlbach Hotel after one night due to their rates. Checked with that's hotel staff and no Roland T. Owen had checked in there, but staff did recall a man of Ogletree's appearance checking in under the name Eugene K. Scott also giving Los Angeles as his address and requesting a room on the interior of the building. So, obviously, that's the same person. Because, I mean... Yeah. You know. That's too coincidental. And what yeah. the heck? Why did another Because most name? people do not request an interior room. Yeah. You know? Me, I'm like the... I want a room as close to the pool as possible kind of person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I can just walk from my room to the pool and it not be very far. Again, after investigating, the LAPD reported that there was no one by that name in their city. The mystery seemed solved when a man identified the body as his cousin, but then when the man's sister came to view the body, she confirmed that the cousin had, in fact, died five years earlier. The resemblance between the two had been very strong. How did he mistake it for his cousin if his cousin was already dead? Like, I don't... Maybe the cousin... Maybe he thought the cousin faked his own death, or maybe he just didn't know his cousin was dead. I don't know. It just seems weird. A week into the investigation, Tony Bernardi, a wrestling promoter in, from Little Rock, Arkansas, said after viewing the body that the man identifying himself, himself as Cecil Warner had approached him around the beginning of December 1934 about wrestling some matches, but Bernardi had referred him to another promoter in Omaha, Nebraska, but that promoter did not recognize Ogletree. 
Within a few days, two new homicides in the city drew detectives' attention from the case, even as more were assigned to the homicide squad. Leads were still followed, but less vigorously than they had been in the weeks after the case, and none of them yielded any significant information. Newspaper coverage likewise dwindled. So. Yeah. It's, it's, what the heck? Why does this guy look like so many different people? I know. <laughs> I sent you a picture through Messenger of him. By oh, oh, yeah. I need to look at that. I'll see what he it looks like. He looks very nondescript other than the scar on his head. You see that little yeah. white patch on the side of his head? That's a scar. Hmm. Um, and here's a disturbing... Um, I think that's a, actually a picture of his cadaver. With the, It shows a good close-up of hmm. the scar. So I sent you that to look at. Have fun. Yay, thanks. Thanks for that. Yay. <laughs> Alright. Oh, where were we? Alright. Right there. Uh, the case returned to the newspapers on March 3rd when the funeral home where the body had been kept announced it would be burying the man in the city's potter's field the next day. That day, the funeral home received a call from a man who asked that the funeral be delayed so that so they could send the funeral home the money for a grave and service at Memorial Park Cemetery in Kansas City, Kansas. So the caller said the dead man would be near his sister. The funeral director warned the caller he would have to tell the police about the call. The caller said he knew and that did not bother him. The caller was slightly more forthcoming when the funeral director asked why Ogletree had been killed. According to the caller, Ogletree had had an affair with one woman while engaged to marry another. The caller and the two women had apparently arranged the encounter with him at the president in order to exact revenge. Cheaters usually get what's coming to them, the caller said, and hung up. Wow. So his fiance and the... I don't even remember this part of the story. Obviously, yeah. I've heard this story a bunch. Um, but we don't know if that's true or not. That's just somebody calling in. Yeah. That stuff. So that could just be a made-up thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I can see it. I can see two women teaming up. Yeah, I mean, it I said he was wandering around with two women, yeah. too. The service was postponed per the anonymous caller's request. On March 23rd, the funeral home received a delivery envelope. The address carefully lettered using a ruler with $25, which is $500 in current, uh, $500 in current dollars, wrapped in newspaper. It was enough to cover the expenses. The sender was unknown. Two additional envelopes with $5 each were sent to a local florist for an arrangement of 13 American Beauty roses to go with the grave. After some, after a similar call was made to them, both phone calls turned out to have been made from payphones. Included with this payment was a card with disguised handwriting reading, Love Forever Louise. The funeral was held shortly afterwards. Besides the officiating minister, the only attendees were police detectives, some of whom served as pallbearers. Other detectives posing, a great, posing as gravediggers staked out the grave for the next several days, but no one came to visit. Several days after the funeral, a woman called the Kansas City Journal uh, post newsroom to inform them that their earlier story that the dead man from room 1046 would be buried in a pauper's grave was incorrect, that he had in fact been given a formal funeral. Uh, 
She said the funeral home and flower shop could verify this. Asked to identify herself, she said, never mind, I know what I'm talking about. Pressed for what that was, she responded, he got into a jam and then ended the conversation. Yeah. I feel like there's just so many people that apparently wanted this dude dead. <laughs> um, but then we're kind of sad about it at the same time, apparently. I don't know. This is whack, man. It's just whack. Yeah. Um, and here we're finally getting to where he gets identified. I know it's kind of was mentioned earlier, but images of the dead man continued to circulate nationwide in hopes of identifying him. One of these finally did when a friend of Ruby Ogletree in Birmingham, Alabama, showed her an issue of the American Weekly, a Sunday newspaper supplement published by the Hearst Corporation, with an article about the case. The unidentified man looked a great deal like her son Artemis, whom the family had not seen since he left to hitchhike in 1934, although he had kept up correspondence with them. Ruby contacted the KCPD and was able to provide enough information about the previous pseudonymous? Pseudonymous? How do you even say that? Pseudonymous? I guess. Corpse, including a description of his head scar, which explained the was the revol- result of a childhood accident in which some hot grease had spilled there. In November, another issue of the supplement carried a story identifying the man as Artemis Ogletree and explaining how his identity had been determined. While that question had been answered, Ruby's account raised more questions. She had received several letters, like we mentioned earlier. Uh, the first one was postmarked from Chicago, um, which aroused her suspicions because it was typewritten. And as far as she knew, Artemis didn't even know how to type. It was also written in a highly colloquial style with much slang that was not consistent with his previous letters. In May 1935, another letter said he was going to Europe. It was followed by a special delivery letter saying that his ship was sailing that day. Um, Both missives were sent from New York. Three months later in August, she received a telephone call from Memphis. Uh, we mentioned that earlier. That person, the man on the other line, said that he that Artemis had saved his life in a fight. Artemis himself could not call because he was living in Cairo, the capital of Egypt, and he had married a wealthy woman and was well. He was unable to write. The caller said because he had lost one of his thumbs in the fight where he'd saved the caller. Ruby talked with the man for a half hour. She recalled that he had talked wildly and irrationally, but seemed to have firsthand knowledge of Artemis. She gave the police the name the man identified himself by. It has never been made public. It if, if Artemis had at some point before his death gone to Europe or anywhere else overseas, he had not done so under his own name. No steamship com- ship company at the time had any record that he had traveled with them. The consular section at the U.S. Embassy in Cairo was unable to find any evidence he had been there. What the heck? Yeah. But the thing that gets me is they were saying earlier that he looks to be in his 20s. But this would, if he left home at 17 in 1934, that meant he was really only like 18 when he died. But I mean, granted, that's not far off from 20s. And especially back then, people just looked 40 years old at like 16. So I guess it could be, it could be possible. But I'm wondering if this lady's right. I'm wondering if it's really Artemis Ogletree, you know? Maybe the real Artemis Ogletree really did go to Europe. 
and lived under a different name or something. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. But it seems like she would know from the picture, though. I mean. Well, did she ever come look at the body and confirm? It's not like she was just like, yeah, that's it. Was already, I mean, it was like uh, after the burial. So yeah, it was like yeah. It was after the burial. So, I don't know. Other than or maybe this or person that called was the one that killed him and just made up these stories to try cover to make up. Her feel better. Yeah, I don't know. So, your turn again. All right. Information developed through the police's conversations with Ruby Ogletree helped them establish a third hotel in Kansas City, St. Regis, where Artemis had stayed. There, he had roomed with another man. Whether that had been Don could not be established. In 1937, the New York City police arrested a man named Joseph Martin on a murder charge. After he had killed a man he roomed with and put the body in a trunk to be shipped to Memphis. Among the several aliases he was found to have used was Donald Kelso. According to a story about the case in The New Yorker, the KCPD had matched samples of his handwriting to that and the letters written to Ruby Ogletree. No charges were filed against the man for the Ogletree case, and the KPCD kept the case open. The files show that different detectives reviewed the case every few years through the 1950s. Each time, they noted that they would keep the case open and follow up, but no new evidence was ever uncovered. Gradually, the case went cold. In 2003 or 2004, John Horner, a local historian at the Kansas City Public Library, fielded a call from someone out of state who said they had been helping to inventory the belongings of an elderly person who had recently died. We've heard all this. Among them was a shoebox, which turned out to be filled with newspaper clippings related to the case, as well as, according to them, one item mentioned in the newspaper stories. The caller identified neither themselves nor the item. Homer did not make this public until the conclusion of the second of two posts he made on the library's blog retelling the story in 2012. So that could really just be made up in general, too. Okay, but. okay. I have a theory just from this last section that you wrote. That you wrote. Okay. The dude was bi. He had something mm-hmm. going on with these two women separately and the dude. And they all found out to beat each other. <laughs> and that's why he kept moving hotels. Because they were all pissed at him. So I think this is like some kind of team effort cover up here. Yeah. But they all ganged up on him because they were mad. Yeah. He's just, maybe he was a prostitute. Maybe, I don't. That's why he switched hotels all the time. Maybe. But uh, the last little bit here, the absence of suspects has not prevented theories about the case from arising, the telephone calls alleging that Ogletree was killed in retaliation for his broken engagement have provided support for that theory. Organized crime has also been considered since the name Don can also be titled for a mafia boss. Lastly, it has been suggested that Don, whoever he was, killed Ogletree for some personal reason, either with the help of the commercial woman, like maybe Don was the pimp or something, I don't know, um, Blocker saw in the hotel late that night or by himself. Oh my god. Just yeah. that's <laughs> It's so funny cuz there's like there's all there is technically suspects but we still don't know who those people are. Like, yeah. All these people that were seen around him or phone call from phone calls or whatever or notes um 
but none of them have actually been identified. Like, yeah, that's so weird. And it's so many. It's so weird that there's so many people involved in this case, but they haven't caught any of them. Yeah, it's just bizarre. So I don't understand. I cannot compute. Yeah. But I just thought it for me it's a really interesting mystery because even though they've, you know, figured out who he was, the rest of it's still a Supposedly. complete other light. Yeah. I still don't hundred percent believe it. Yeah, I'm I'm not one hundred percent on that either. I'd say I'm like ninety percent because I feel <laughs> like the mother would know her own son through the picture, but but may you know, grief does weird things as seen by Bobby Dunbar. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I know. That one still hurts my feelings. <laughs> but I, it's it's a I love a good mystery like this though because it'll just randomly come back up into my brain and I'm like, what happened? You know, I'm like, I've got. It feels like a puzzle that you'll always have the missing pieces to. <laughs> like you can never yeah. put together the rest of the puzzle because your cat knocked them under a piece of furniture somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Or just <laughs> ate them. <laughs> Yeah. Um so it, it's just weird. That's a weird fucking case. But I, every time it comes on anywhere like there there's a billion podcasts about it. There's episodes of different TV shows about it. I'm pretty sure that the you know BuzzFeed and Solve did it too, I believe. Yeah. Uh the one the two cute guys um that I made you watch. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. They did an episode about it too. Um but it's like, no matter how many times I've heard this story, I'll end up watching something and be like, oh, I don't remember that part. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, there'll be another piece of the puzzle that, that clicks into place, so I'm always constantly listening to new ones about it, because yeah. I feel like maybe if I hear every damn thing out there about it, that eventually it'll click. Like, oh, I know what happened. <laughs> no, there's too many pieces. This is like a 5,000-piece puzzle that's all one color. Yeah. <laughs> oh god that sounds like that's a horror story within itself yeah um anyway is there anything else you want to add about that for you wrap up you're just done with it some shout out recommends oh yeah i i did not <laughs> it's been a very busy week because my birthday was friday um so my recommend for this week is not to drink when you're 44 because I turned 44 on Friday and I drank that night, not even a lot, but I drank and I still feel hungover. <laughs> I only had like maybe four drinks. Okay. Like, and I'm just like, I just feel like death right now. I'm like, yeah. I guess I should stop drinking because it's just not good for me. Apparently I'm too old to drink now. <laughs> so. Yeah. I don't, uh, I'm playing Magic the Gathering again. That's fun. That's, yeah, that's my shout out or recommend or both. And I just got the Duolingo app because I'm going to try to learn French because we're going to go to Europe next summer if everything goes okay. So I'm like, I got to learn French. And honestly, it's actually a pretty good app so far. Mm. <laughs> I was kind of shocked. Like, I'm like, is, is one of these things really going to be worth it? But. So far, it's pretty fun. Go learn some languages, people. Or you're probably all fancy and already know multiple languages, and good job for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, James is thinking about doing something like that because we, a lot of, 
I don't know, like the, we, a great percentage of our business is with Hispanic people. So James is like, I really need to learn Spanish so that I can talk to these people like that are actually our best customers, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like I feel like well, I- if we end up doing um, the family plan right now, I'm doing the trial yeah. of the plus we may, but if I end up paying for it for the year, I can add up to six people total. So I'd have an extra guys moment. Yeah. I'll, I'll discuss that with him because he's not listening right now. He has the earbuds yeah. in. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he's he been thinking about it, just taking the extra time to learn Spanish for that reason. I was yeah. like, I can help you with it because I don't remember a whole lot, but I can help you with pronunciations and stuff because I do know that. Yeah. Um, so I can, I can help him a little bit with that. Uh, Let me see. Okay. We said we were going to do the list. This time yeah. yeah how far along are we? 23 minutes we about got them almost exactly but nice. now once we do our list this one's going to be super long <laughs> yeah of course this week's top five is our favorite books so yeah. if you don't want to hear that bye bye do do bye yep whose turn is it to go first i don't remember like ever <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't remember what last week's even was Comic book characters, I think you might have went first. Okay, well you go first then. Number five. Number five for me. This was hard. I just made shit up right before the show. Um, Dark Tower series. If I had to pick, I think Wizarding Glass is my favorite. Yeah, that's the same. If or I had one to- of the last two. Uh, the one where they're like, I remember they're like, in New York City subways and like there's doors to different historical events you can go through like the JFK shooting or uh, yeah like yeah one of those two yeah I think Wizarding Glass is my fave I think that's a lot of people's fave it's just got a lot of good shit it's a lot yeah. of good material in there yeah I probably need to reread the series at some point it's been a long time yeah I honestly was about to reread that after I finished Lord of the Rings but then I was just like Ooh no! Let me re reread something else <laughs> instead. Of, I have like a whole bookshelf, like a massive, overloaded, triple layered bookshelf full of stuff, like where I have to put my books in stacks, uh, like in vertical stacks instead of horizontal because I can't fit them all. Yeah, that's, um, my, that's my shelf too, pretty much. So, but yeah, instead of sorry, re- rereading something else. But yeah, number five for you. Do androids dream of electric sheep? Which, if you don't know, is Philip K. Dick, and it's what Blade Runner is based on. But it's nothing like Blade Runner. I love them both, but I, I would say if I had to pick the book, of course, it's better. Yeah, same here. I, I think they're apples and oranges to me. They're, they're yeah. apples and oranges, and I love the fucking book. It's so weird, and I love the quotes from it. Yeah. Every time people take it seriously, because I'll be quoting that, and I'll be like, "Today, today's schedule lists a six-hour self-accusatory depression," and people yeah. are like, "Like, I'll post that on Facebook, and people are like, oh no, don't do that.'" <laughs> I'm like, "It's a quote from the, a book, people." Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, I'll, that's one of my favorite quotes of like any book ever. <laughs> like, I just yeah. love that. Uh. Five for you. No, four for me. Oh, four for you. 
do Android stream of electric sheep. Right. <laughs> number, <laughs> number four for you. <laughs> Picture of Dorian Gray for a similar reason. It has some really damn good quotes in it. Like, I don't know what it is. There's so much like oddball little nuggets of wisdom in that book that are outside the story, really. But um, it's just a really good book. Next. Number three oh, for you. The Stand by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember it. <laughs> That's so long ago. It's been a long time for me. It just, I just, I don't know. It's been quite a few episodes since, but, you know, I remember there for a while. I was like, I recommend the Stand show, the new Stand show. I'm like, never mind, just kidding. Like, the very next episode, I'm like, no, it sucks. Don't watch it. I didn't like it. Just Stick it. to the Molly Ringwald, Gary Sinise one. Yeah, yeah, just go back and watch that. It's good. I would say timeless, but it's really not timeless, but it's still good. (laughs) I don't know. It holds up pretty well. I mean, there's obviously some CG and stuff that's a little off, but otherwise it's still, I mean, it really, I mean, it is dated, but it's not. I don't know how to explain it, but it's good. Um, Number three for me is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. I just love Neil Gaiman, and that's one of his best works for a long time it was my favorite book like ever but i think other stuff's kind of moved up and down in my list so it's like eh. it's still in it's still in my top five but it's lower than normal i think the reason i love that one is because i love cheesy roadside attractions and most of the locations in the book are cheesy roadside attractions nice. that's why i'm like biased for that book i don't know it's like one of the main locations in the book is um, Rock City from <laughs> Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is like see in the Rock mountains. City. Yes. See Ruby Falls. Yes. I've been. <laughs> we gonna be seeing those signs in two weeks. Yep. So if you want to come stalk us, that's where we'll be. No, I'm kidding. Maybe. Um. <laughs> Just really don't stalk us. That's not cool. I've actually yeah. been stalked before. That's not very. Really don't fun. stalk us. We'll just meet you at a coffee shop and hang out. I mean, yeah, really. just yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty cool. Come to ChupaloCon, July twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Come to ChupaloCon and go come buy stuff from my booth and talk to Sabrina. And if you buy tickets, it will be me that probably sells them to you. Yep. So, there's your way to meet us without being too stalkery. Yeah. Um, um, did you do your number three? Is it my number yeah, two time? Just, is it my number two time? Yes. <laughs> I am a child. Yes, <laughs> it is your number two time. <laughs> number two is the Pathfinder series, not the D and D type stuff, not high fantasy Pathfinder series by Orson Scott Card, my fucking favorite author. Other than Stephen King, they're kind of like back and forth, but it's primarily Orson Scott Card. Um, that series is so good. That's what I'm rereading. That's why I didn't actually say what I was rereading earlier. And I mean, one of my favorites is named after a character from the book. It's got time travel. It's got terraforming. It's got colonization. It's got space stuff. It's got asian stuff. History. It's got everything. But not in a shitty way. Like, that sounds like too many things going on at once. But he does it so well. Yeah, and 
it's just it's fucking amazing and I recommend anybody to read those books. A lot of people I talk to, of course, you just you're like Orson Scott Card. Oh, Ender's Game. Yeah, Ender's Game is great. All the Ender's Games series are great. But Pathfinder might actually be better than those, and that's hard for me to say. <laughs> well, now you have me intrigued because I'm like, what? Better than Ender's Game? I don't understand. Yeah. I read the, <laughs> I read the first two of the Ender series. And then I lost the third book. <laughs> I don't know yeah. where it is. I have it, but I don't know where it is. I have multiple copies. Whenever I see them in like the Goodwill bookstore, I buy extra copies so that I can just literally give them. Like I want to pass on. I buy copies I of Hot Zone and oh, I forgot Hot Zone. Well, I might need to get a copy of one of the Orson Scott card ones. I might need to start over and reread them because yeah. I don't remember much. But yeah, I have multiple copies of Ender's Game and Speaker for the Dead and all of that. So yeah, um, yeah. What's your number I two? I think I see Xenocide from here. So I yeah, I that's like the third. third oh, is book. that the third? Well, then I no, that's the fourth one. Sorry. Oh, okay. Children of the Mind and Xenocide. I get confused. Yeah. One of them's the third. One of them's the fourth. But okay. anyway, you're number two. <laughs> <laughs> Ocean at the end of the lane by Neil Gaiman. All those years I there's a theme here. Yeah. All those years I loved American Gods. And Ocean at the End of Lane is more like a YA kind of book. It's like a children's book, but a thicker version of a children's like an older child's. She did. Um, it's just a really, it's, it's a, but like basically, I can I don't want to give too much away. Never mind. Just, it's, it's a fantasy book and it's really fucking good. Yeah. It's one of my faves. In fact, I might start picking up copies of that and force it on other people. Like, read this fucking <laughs> I think, book. I think Nancy bought it, but she never reads, so. Yeah. Parenting fail there. <laughs> yeah. She got, she came down the other day and she's like, I want a book to read. I want to look at Amazon and buy some books. And I'm like, you aren't going to read. And even so, I probably have most of the good books here already. Like, <laughs> just, I'm not buying you more books. Not to mention she has a Kindle Paperwhite. Like, she has a better Kindle than I do. Yeah. And I'm like, you could literally pick any book and read it right this second. This okay. is the magic of technology. Yeah. Number one for you. <laughs> Speaker for the Dead. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, honestly, I think my whole list would have changed had I remembered Hot Zone, and I cannot believe I forgot it. So it might actually kick out Dark Tower series. Ooh. But anyway. But Speaker for the Dead is the second Ender's Game book. So Ender's Game is the main one that everybody knows, and it's like a children's recommended reading. Because we talked about that over the favorite kids' books. But Speaker for the Dead takes place like 30 years later. Because, yeah. you know, at the end of Ender's Game, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, shame on you, um, he, like, space travels, so he ages. And, and it's so fucking crazy. But this has terraforming and space travel and... <laughs> Apparently, I just really like these things. It doesn't have time travel, though, so that's the... But, I mean, it's still, like, Pathfinder series as a whole, I like better than the Ender's Game series, but uh, Speaker for the Dead is my favorite book in the whole wide world. It was so good. Um, And then just, yeah, just Orson's got card, the usual. What's your number one? Um, Dark Tower series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the whole thing, like you were saying, it's like hard to pick because that whole series is just so, it's, it's his, 
biggest masterpiece. Yeah. It's his biggest masterpiece and it ties into all his other shit. So literally I might as well just be saying the entire Stephen King catalog yeah. is my number one. Yeah, and a lot of people don't say. like the gunslinger, the very first book, and I'm like, man, I really enjoyed it. Like it's I don't more know what the like, problem is. It's more like reading poetry because it's so it's well written but not a lot happens. Yeah. So I always tell warn people like it's really beautiful writing. But you're, it's not what's going to draw you into the story. If you just get through it and make it through to the second book, you'll be hooked. You know, yeah. that's what I always tell people. I don't know. I enjoyed the first one. Like it, it was just like a constant, like, ah, oh, next. And I read Went Through the Keyhole too. It was good. Yeah. But I mean, I got to read that shortly after. Like, I wasn't waiting 20 years like some people reading the Dark Tower series, right? But I got to read Went Through the Keyhole shortly after. I almost didn't read the actual ending to Dark Tower because it, like, it ends. And then he's like, ooh, but if you want to keep reading further, you know, like, just end it here. Don't do not do it. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? Yeah. And then, I made, like, I happened to mention how it ended to Justin. He's like, I don't think you finished it. And that's when I came back. And I'm like, why did I read this? Why did you make me read this ending? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Stephen King warned me and I didn't listen. <laughs> uh, it is one of the ter- most terrible endings to a book, but also still the most fitting. Um, yeah. That's what that's my argument when somebody's like, bitches about it. I'm like, but it makes sense for... Yeah, what else could have happened? Yeah. I don't think anybody would be happy with any ending with that series anyway, but yeah. I, a lot, I've heard a lot of people don't like went through the keyhole, but I enjoyed it, but that maybe it's just because I was so goddamn excited after so many years. Yeah, you, you want something else out of it, and it's not what you get, but it's still great. I enjoyed it, but yeah. anyway, so do your honorable mentions. Mine is short. Um, I've got Catch Me If You Can. Which mm-hmm. I think I talked about in our book to movie adaptations mm-hmm. one, uh, Me Before You, which actually is a book to movie adaptation. I really like those, so sorry, sorry if that makes me a loser. Um, me Before You is the one where there's the guy that's like paraplegic and he gets a caretaker. It's got Daenerys from Game of Thrones and dude from other stuff that's beautiful. Um, but the books, there's actually three books and they're all really good. Uh, obviously Harry Potter. Yeah. Even with the stuff that happened that shaped my childhood. Um, And Hot Zone, which should have been, like, in the top five that I forgot. And I feel blasphemous for it. Hot Zone is just about the Ebola virus that I've always been obsessed with. And that's it. Yeah. I read a lot, but it's hard to be on my favorites where I'd, like, sit and reread the shit over and over again. Yeah. Well, there's some stuff that I absolutely love, but I didn't, wouldn't want to reread, and I'll get to that in my list too. Yeah. <laughs> um, my honorable mentions list: Gone Girl. I really enjoyed that. I probably wouldn't reread that either because now I know what happens, so it's not as fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mystery ones like that kind of just aren't fun on the second go round because you're like, I already yeah. know. Um, yeah. It so was Gone, good Gone Girl, American Psycho, the Narnia series, The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. Ender's Game. I put the Harry Potter series, but I do want to note that I don't approve of J.K. Rowling anymore, and I try my best. I'm not planning on spending any new money on any shit of hers anytime soon. Uh, 
Yeah, that's what I meant. Like they did shape my childhood. Those are some of my favorite books. But I, I do. I love the I love the Harry the Potter tainting. series. I I love the Harry Potter series. I love those characters, and I will probably always love that series. But J.K. Rowling can eat a bag of dicks. I think I said that last time, didn't I? Probably at some point recently, I said that J.K. Rowling can eat a bag of dicks. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, also, Lovely Bones is another one that I cannot reread, but it's a fucking fantastic book, but it's so depressing. Yeah, I've been trying. I tried to make Nancy read that. She was oh. like, I think I want to read a sad book. I'm like, read this one. That one's definitely works for a sad one. I've got the first three Dragonlance Chronicles. Uh, that's Still haven't gotten I, around to reading those. <laughs> I, I read the first three. That's probably as far as I'll ever get, but those three are fantastic. Yeah. Um. I chose to start Wheel of Time instead. Boy, what a mistake. Lord, I think I have a couple of those and I haven't read them. I've read like six out of the 14, I think. Uh, Game of Thrones. I've read those. Those are good. Uh, the Oz books. I think we talked about that when we were talking about children's books. But those are so damn good. And I made James watch Return to Oz last night. And he was like, what in the fuck? Like, <laughs> he had never seen it. And I... I'm pretty sure that he doesn't like me anymore because of that. Yeah. <laughs> or doesn't trust my taste anymore after that. So, but it's so good. Is shit? It is good, but it's a lot darker than the, the oh, yeah. Wizard of Oz. Um, Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Another good one. Yeah, I finished reading that one recently. It's good. C.S. Lewis Space Trilogy. Um, I don't know what it was at the time but when i read that i thought some of the shit that went on in that book was real and it mm -hmm. really freaked me out i don't know why but that book really freaked me out the like the i think it was the first book out of that series like just i was tripping like what the fuck man i just felt like that some stuff in the book was real i don't even remember exactly what but the odd yeah, thomas i don't think books, i've read those yeah. the odd thomas books from dean Koontz, i've read those those are good hunger games and then, of course, as an honorable mention, I had to put in the mysterious mannequin, <laughs> Nancy Drew. We've mentioned that in like six different episodes already. Yeah. So I felt like I had to. I, I actually made Justin read that as a grown-ass adult, and he was like, that was kind of stupid. I was like, you shut your whore mouth. <laughs> you don't hate a mysterious mannequin. I'm sure if I went back and read it now, I'd probably agree with him, but. I remember as a child thinking, whoa, <laughs> you know. You get to the end of that book and you're like, my mind is blown. Yeah. Um. Anyway. I guess that's it. We're at yeah. 41 minutes. One, one more episode and then there's going to be a break. Yep. We're going to do one more episode after this one. And then. We're or maybe not. Yeah. Because I was just thinking like, well. I don't know what day it's actually going to land on, but pretty soon there will be possibly We're not an episode. We're going to for vacation at some point. Yeah. Soon, so just look out for that. There's going to be one week we're going to skip. We'll miss you. We'll be thinking of you fondly. While we sit in the hot tub and sip wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in in the smoking mountain. <laughs> Later.